In part two of our series on a new approach to mental health today, Linda Lindsay and Christopher Tafelski are joining me again to explain the differences in mental health providers and offer their expertise on how best to find a provider that fits and meets our needs. Welcome to Happily Ever After 40, a podcast brought to you by ProMedica, where we discuss midlife health and well-being. I'm Scott Webb. It's great to be back on with both of you for part two of this new approach to mental health. In part one, we talked about the stigma and is it changing and how do we know when we or someone we love needs a mental health professional. And today we're going to talk more about choosing those providers. How do we know the differences between the different types of providers and how do we choose one? So Linda, I'll start with you this time. Tell us about the differences between mental health providers. Yes, there's a lot of confusion. A lot of times people will say, I need to see a psychiatrist when they call. And Chris and I are employee assistance professionals. So we are counselors that are in the workplace that help the employees and their families with their concerns. So oftentimes people overlook us and think, oh, I need to go to see someone in the community. And right now, one of the challenges that people are having is that the wait has been so long because like we shared before, we actually have more people that are seeking services than we have people providing the services. So a starting point I would always tell people is most companies have an employee assistance professional, an EAP, and to start with them because they can help navigate you through this process because they are our life coaches and they are people that typically don't work with mental health issues, but they often work with leadership skills, health goals, or self-improvement. They're like a coach that help you achieve your life satisfaction goals. Then there's a counselor or social worker. They are typically master level clinicians that help people with self-improvement goals, but also help you with mental health issues like depression, anxiety, but we also work with just like plain old stress and work stress, those are common too, or marital that people come in for. If someone is needing a psychologist, oftentimes that's because they need some testing done. Maybe they want to rule out some ADD. Maybe they have a learning disability that needs addressed. And the psychiatrist is a medical doctor for mental health. And they typically don't do counseling. They see people to help them find medications that will help with their mental health issues. And I think to go in there, too, because I think the other one we hear a lot about is, you know, this mental health study showed this. A lot of those folks are psychologists, and I think that's another one of those areas that often gets misconstrued of, like, who, who does those you know, studies and whatnot. I think psychologists, they do a lot of testing, a lot of studying, and looking for answers behind the scenes of why, but they don't necessarily help with the why. Yeah, I see what you mean. And I was thinking about the list of, you know, life coach, counselor, therapist, and so on. I was like, your head starts to spin a little bit. And Chris, I'm wondering, how do folks, you know, choose the right provider? Do they use word of mouth, social media? I'm sure you have some suggestions about making sure you find the right provider for us. Yes, yes. I think that is a very difficult process. And in the current environment, as Linda said, it, it's even more of a challenge because often finding just an opening is a difficult portion. As Linda said, I think starting with your EAP is a good place because 
often they're connected with other therapists in your area and they can kind of guide you through that process of this is what's going to fit. But really the first step is one, let's match insurance, right? Let's get the easy one out of the way. Sure. But then I really think about what is it that you're needing help with and finding somebody who has an expert in that particular field. So for instance, I just had somebody call up and say, Hey, I'm looking for this particular therapist. I see it there at this location. And I said, well, they're great for substance abuse. And if you were having an alcohol issue or a substance use disorder of some sort, be perfect for you. But it's not the right fit. So a lot of times it's looking for credentials that fit that area. If you're experiencing trauma, for instance, finding a therapist that has a specialization in trauma therapy, depression, anxiety, or kind of typically most counselors, social workers, therapists will be able to address those things for you. But the more niche you get, I think of like, you know, for instance, bipolar or any kind of personality disorder, those are more specialized, you know, therapists we want to look for. So we start looking for credentials as a second part of it, really trying to find the right person for them. And I think the other thing is personality, right? We got to find the person that you connect with. It's a trust thing with therapists. You're going and it pouring out your innermost self to this person, and you've got to be able to trust them. So I think that's a big thing, looking around, shopping around, and talking to the staff of like, hey, this is kind of my basic personality. You know, who would maybe be a fit for me? Yeah. The people that, that are the reception area, they know the therapist. Mm-hmm. They're going to be how they help guide you through that process of, it sounds more like this. I think even, do you want to see a man or a woman? You know, we don't think about that until we get there and they're like, oh, this doesn't fit. It may not be a preference and that's okay. Or maybe somebody who's older or somebody's younger. I know I have clients who are in their teens that for some reason love me. Linda says that for, <laughs> I resonate well with them. I think it's because I tell a lot of dad jokes. Nice. But I think, you know, other times they need somebody who is younger than I am. I think if our team is made up with folks who are younger and I can give them that younger aspect. I have young nieces and nephew, but... You know, goodness gracious, my kids are adults now. Mm-hmm. So I necessarily can't resonate with always the young folks all the time. But finding that therapist that works for you is a big deal in terms of finding credentials, of course, insurance, and then personality. Yeah, and Linda, my son saw someone when he was around 16 or so, was just having some issues. He was a a bit of a smaller kid, and he struggled mentally and physically. And to Chris's point, we were able to find someone. He wanted to speak with a man, and he wanted to speak with someone who was a little bit closer in age. And just the way Chris was taking us through this, all right, well, let's check our insurance, right? Let's check his credentials, make sure he's the right uh, person in terms of that list of what everybody does. And then ultimately, it was about being in the room and that fit and whether he felt comfortable opening up to this person. And so I can totally understand what Chris is saying. And I guess the question for you is, the million-dollar question is, what do we do if the fit isn't right? Like, we've done all our due diligence, and we get there in the room, we go, oh, wait, this isn't working for me. So what do we do in those situations, and then how do we sort of course correct? Well, I think one of the starting points is to have an honest conversation with your counselor, because if you can get through this you know you may have a wonderful relationship with that person where you're able to find out that they're able to help you change and counseling can sometimes feel uncomfortable and so it may be not necessarily the counselor but it may be ourselves that says oh i'm a little nervous and i don't know if i want to do that again versus going back in and saying 
you know, last session, I felt really nervous, and I didn't know if we're going to be able to work on these goals together. And have an honest conversation with that counselor as a starting point, because it may or may not be able to be resolved, but you don't know unless you take that first step. I think part of it maybe also is knowing the process of when you get into counseling. I want to say I love what our colleague Tally Gologli, who was on this podcast before, he said, going in with the mindset that you can do this is important. And I think when you walk in with that mindset of I'm powerful enough to do this is a big start for you. But the first usually intake session is that is this that it's just intake you're just answering a lot of questions and what we call the biopsychosocial we're asking a lot of background questions that really may necessarily not relate directly to the problem initially but it gives us some idea of what's going on to help us understand the whole problem and so sometimes with the first session i always tell people chalk it up to being just a lot of question and answer and you may not have an idea if you fit or not i typically i always use the rule of three if you've done three sessions and your gut says this is not the right person. Have that conversation like Linda said. But I think the next step is to also kind of go, hey, I don't feel like we're working on my goals because this is your time. They work for you. (laughs) You know, have that courage to say, I don't know if you're working on my goals. Can we readdress this? And if by the next session, it's still not there, it's time to look for somebody new. But I think as a provider, this is also the other part I think needs to be thought about is when a client walks into my door, And we want to help everybody. I always say, I'd love to be the person that helps every single person. But the one thing as therapists, we also have to have the knowledge and wherewithal, and this is where I think some of the counselors do struggle a little bit, is we have to have the wherewithal to go, I don't think I'm a fit for you because I don't have that expertise. If somebody comes into my door and says, Chris, I have an eating disorder, I can honestly say, I can help you with other things, but I will tell you that's something that I'm not as familiar with, and I need to understand those limitations. Now, you as the person may go, you know what, but I really like you and I connect and I'm willing to work past that you don't necessarily know all this and I want to still work with you and that's okay. But just know that that person may not have the expertise that you're looking for too. So it kind of goes both ways, right? Where the provider has to recognize that they may not be the fit as much as the person that comes in, they may not feel like they're a fit for them. And it's okay both for you to say, I don't think this is working. You know, it's, that's a tough thing to say to people sometimes is. (laughs) It is, sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things to add into it is that it's okay to change. You know, it's okay to change providers. The main step is taking the baby step of making that first appointment, making that first phone call. And then if you've done these things and it's not a match, it's okay, move on. It doesn't mean that, hey, I've been to counseling and it'll never work. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, we've all gone to clubs and associations, and sometimes you had to go more than once before you felt like you fit in. But other times you're like, oh, no, I'm never going to do that again, and that's okay. And you can make another choice, and you can still address your goals, and you can still have success. And the other thing, too, is it may not be where you aren't making progress right away because you're just learning to know them and you like them, but maybe long-term at some point in time, the other thing it's also okay to change for is if you don't feel like your goals are progressing still, if you're like maybe six, seven, eight, ten sessions in and you were doing well initially, and then you feel like, geez, I'm kind of feeling like I'm not moving. Again, have that conversation, but it's also it's okay to change later on, too. Sometimes people need to have 
want a problem solved with the first therapist, they need to go to a second therapist because they need other issues have popped up. So it's also okay to change. Maybe you were making good progress. Like you talked about your son, maybe he was starts out and he's doing great and he's getting some esteem issues being built. And then he's like, geez, you know what? But some of my other goals aren't being met and it's okay to make that. Yeah. Yeah. Other stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And of course, as a dad, Chris, I can appreciate the dad jokes. But you were talking about just that initial visit. And, you know, what the provider did with my son is they sat down on the floor and they played shoots and ladders, which, of course, is well beneath both of their age levels. But they just sat down and they just played a game and they just talked to each other and got to know each other to find out if it was going to be a good fit for both of them. And even during COVID, sort of pivoted, as probably everybody did, and my son was doing visits with him, you know, video visits, telehealth visits. And that seemed to work as well. I guess when you find that fit, when it seems right for both parties and, you know, the patient, the client, in this case, my son was progressing, you do what you have to do, right? Yes. Can I just want to make a mark on the video chat thing. I, I would say I've always loved video services. I've been doing this, you know, only for about a decade. And the one thing that I always thought, this is the kind of the future is video visits, but they weren't really embraced until we were forced to embrace them. And it was amazing. You know, people are doing this and here's this is an interesting tidbit, at least in my thought process, the people who like video chats, typically more my age, the younger folks, don't like it as much because it's kind of like, that's what I do with my friends, right? I talk in video right. chat with my friends. I don't talk to a therapist. I want to see them in person. So there's a, a weird like one-off that's happened. We've noticed and kind of research is backing that of, you know, us, my age folks, Right. <laughs> we like it. Yeah. And it's like, if there are any silver linings to COVID, right, we've sort of embraced these video visits, even hopefully some of the younger people. And also we're talking more about mental health and how to address mental health issues, how to choose professionals, how to find the right fit and all of that. And we've certainly done that here in parts one and part two. So thank you again. Hopefully we'll get to speak again. You both stay well. You thank as well. you. And for more information, please visit Prometica.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, Please do share it on your social media. Thanks again for listening. I'm Scott Webb, and until next time, stay happily ever after 40. <laughs>